Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we're talking about trust in marriage with licensed mental health counselor, Regina Boyd. Welcome, Regina. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to have this conversation today, and I think this is a really good one um, for so many of our listeners. The ones that talk about marriage and really go deeply into that are some of our most popular episodes, so I'm excited to have you be able to talk about this today. Um, yeah. So why don't we, do you want to tell us a little bit of your background before we jump into talking about trust and marriage and all of that? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm a mental health counselor, like you said, a marriage and family therapist. Um, I've done a few different jobs over the years. Um, I worked in doing home-based therapy where we would go into people's homes, work with kids and families. Um, and that was a lot of crisis work, crisis response, intervention kind of stuff, worked in a high school for a few years, and now I'm in private practice where I do a lot of couples work. It's really just one of my joys and my passions is to really help marriages thrive. I kind of view it as, you know, the building block of society. The cell is just so fundamental to have strong marriages, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's a joy for me to be able to help people in that way. Awesome. I love that. So let's, let's dive in. What role do you see that trust plays in a marriage? Let's talk like very basic level here. I mean, I think it's essential. It's foundational, embedded into the fabric of a relationship. I mean, you really don't have a healthy relationship. A relationship can't stand without it, so to speak, Mm -hmm. if you were to even think about your relationship as a house. I mean, that's just one of the main weight-bearing walls that without it, the relationship can't really stand. Um, It provides a sense of emotional commitment, safety, um, creates doors for deeper connection. It helps you persevere during hard times. Mm -hmm. It really all comes down to that question of, does my beloved have my best interest at heart? Mm -hmm. You know, will you be there for me? Um, And I think sometimes when we're dating or newly married, it's kind of easy to say, well, of course I trust this person, Mm -hmm. but maybe you say those things because your trust hasn't been tested yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you haven't had that opportunity to be let down in any way. And Mm -hmm. so really when we think about trust, I like to think about it as something that's built slowly over time. So that doesn't mean that newlyweds don't have trust. Of course they do. Otherwise you wouldn't get married, right? Right. Um, it just means that maybe your trust isn't as strong as it will be in the future. Okay. That makes sense. So can you kind of paint a picture for us of what, like, what does real trust between both the husband and wife look like in a marriage? Or maybe, maybe it's easier to paint the opposite. Like, what does it not look like um, to kind of give the full picture here? Yeah. So when I think about trust, I think about all the mundane things. Will will you be there for me when I'm sick? Will you be there for me if your mother c- criticizes me? Will you, you know, come to my defense and my aid in a time of help and support? It's not just will you not cheat on me, mm-hmm. but are you consistently showing up in all of these aspects of my life and and I'm and am I confident in that? Mm-hmm. In that ability for you to show up and be there when I really need you. Mhm whether it's mentally, emotionally, whatever else, physically, right? Sometimes we have the flu or we're recovering from something. And, you know, is your relationship strong enough to withstand that? Sometimes people get resentful in moments like that and others, others don't. Sure. 
That, that, that's great. That's a really clear way of, of looking at it. I wonder too, if you can kind of walk us through a little bit how, how people go about building this trust that you said, right? Like it's, you think you trust them when you're first married or when you're engaged or whatever, but like this is something that needs to build over time. So how do we go about doing that? Uh, building trust again is in all, all of these small ways. I think, um, in, in little ways and in big ways, how good are you at tuning into the other person? Mm. So when I talk about tuning in, it's, um, kind of this awareness of, uh, of the other person. Um, like for example, I'm just kind of thinking of an example, but you, somebody comes home from work and they something horrible happened at work. You have a sad look on your face and the other person is like cleaning, sweeping or something like that. In that moment, if I'm sweeping, I have a choice. I can notice that my beloved has that look on their face. I kind of know the look means something happened. Mm -hmm. I can choose to put the mop down and go and say, oh my gosh, are you okay? What's wrong? Right. So that emotional awareness, that turning towards in a moment of need, that attunement, mm -hmm. or I can keep sweeping, right. Sure. And keep mopping and just wait for them to bring it up, or maybe they don't bring it up at all. And the mm -hmm. moment passes. And so we all have these opportunities mm -hmm. where we are not only being aware, but being willing to lean into the emotion, having genuine curiosity about it, care and support about what's going on, and then being willing to listen and understand. Now, granted, we don't have to put the mop down every time. We don't have to do it 100% of the time. Sometimes right. that's you're in the zone and you might not even realize that that's what's going on. But are we consistently over time sending a message more often than not that you are my priority, that mm -hmm. I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. So all of those little moments reinforce the bond between you and they reinforce the trust. But if I'm more often than not choosing an alternative, then sure. that conveys the opposite. It can erode trust. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So then why do you think it's so often devastating when that trust is broken, whether it's in big things or small things for a couple or for a person individually? I think trust is really foundational. It's a basic need, just like we need food, shelter, and clothing. We mm. need to feel like we belong. We need a sense of emotional security and safety to survive. I mean, we've all heard those stories about children in orphanages who, you know, aren't held or cared for. Sure. They don't survive. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we just need that healthy relationship of somebody we can rely on. So what trust is really devastating in a serious way um, to our own well-being, to our sense of safety and wellness um, when that doesn't happen. There, there was actually some research on this where they did some longitudinal studies on couples. And for, for men, for some reason, they've found that it can be life and death. So 58% of men in this one particular study in a marriage that scored low on trust died during the 20 year period of the study. 50% of men died. 58%. Yeah. Wow. If there was low trust in the relationship. So there's really something that physically happens to us mm -hmm. in our significant relationships when we don't have that health. And it's, again, I really think it all comes to that core need of safety of belonging. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it's interesting too, that the men died at 58%, not the women. I'm sure that, that they probably did also, but at a mm-hmm. lower level, I think partly too, because men and women kind of need different things. And like the man kind of often needs to feel like they're the one they're trusted, right. And that they're like providing and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that not having that is, is more devastating to that kind of psyche or that kind of way of thinking for them. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I love that interpretation. Absolutely. Very, very interesting. So do you find that it's always like big things that break trust, like affairs or whatever addictions that maybe they're keeping hidden that really can break down a couple and break down a marriage or could it be small things? What, how does that kind of come in or tie in? The majority of the time it's in small ways. Mm. Think of it as like scratches on your car or small dents over time. Mm. But then there are moments every now and then we might have a big crash. We might get into a fender bender of some sort. So some things feel like a big crash. Other things feel like those dents and scratches. And so again, kind of like my mopping example earlier, if it happens one time, right, we can live with a scratch on our car here or there. Like we're not, we might not be happy about it, but we can live with it. Um, But over time, are you sending this consistent message that sweeping is more important than your spouse, that football is more important, that your friends, whoever. Um, And so I think ultimately any type of betrayal communicates that there's better options for me. I choose not to connect with you because I have a better alternative, a TV show, another partner outside of the relationship, a friend. And so all of these things can lead to resentment, Mm. um, refusing to compromise, building up, letting arguments escalate. So I think the little things matter a lot more than we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. I know there's a cliche like, oh, it's always in the small things, but it really is. Mm-hmm. in the small things, because oftentimes those big events are not an everyday occurrence. It really right. is in those everyday mother Teresa was kind of right. in the, in the small things that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the really small things, it's true. Probably not as many couples have big, huge things that happen that break their trust, but there can be, you know, small breakdowns throughout, you know, throughout their life and throughout their time together as a couple for sure. So how, can you go about kind of repairing that broken trust in little things or in big things? Like, should it happen? And you, you know, maybe someone's listening to this now and they're like, I actually really don't trust my spouse. Like I'm realizing that now or like, Ooh, like this is kind of broken right now. How do we go about repairing that? I think there's a couple of different things you can do. Um, first you want to try to be aware of your beloved's emotions and leaning into that with genuine curiosity and care listening to them with empathy, trying to understand. And are do we have an ability as a couple to create space for differing perspectives? Mm. Are we able to engage in conflict in a non-defensive way? Mm. Because a big thing about when trust is broken, clearly that might create some type of disagreement. Sure. And a part of repairing when trust is broken is all in how we go about navigating that conflict. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a therapist. I'm weird. We kind of geek out. We like talking about conflict and, you know, getting into the meat of things, but 
because there's such a beautiful opportunity there that we underestimate. A lot of times we want to avoid fights. We want to avoid arguments because we think that's a sign that there's a challenge here. There's a difficulty. Something's going wrong. But conflict is an opportunity to grow closer. It's an opportunity to develop more intimacy and strengthen your relationship. So if you can bounce back and recover when trust is broken, that makes your relationship better. Mm-hmm. And so it's really all in that willingness to engage in those conflict discussions. If you can be non-defensive, listen, respond with empathy. Are you able to put your feelings into words? That's mm-hmm. a huge challenge. Sometimes we just get mad and say, you never helped me or, yeah. or something like that, right? <laughs> I'm all alone with the kids. And Right. But am I, can I take a second to practice being aware of my body, my body cues? And am I, is my heart racing? Do I have shortness of breath? Do I have muscle tension? And use that as cues to say, something's bothering me right now. Do we have time to talk about it? Mm-hmm. Um, sh- asking open-ended questions. Um, sometimes you can do this, you know, don't wait for the argument. Practice when everything's calm and you guys are good. Just You can have some fun with it. You can say, hey, can we sit down and have a little practice conflict resolution discussion, right? And be silly and cheesy with it. But asking those open-ended questions, try to be a good conversationalist Mm -hmm. where you're keeping the conversation going um, and following up with statements that show that you understand. Mm -hmm. Um, I think compassion and empathy are huge, right? Because we when we can hold space for someone else's feelings, even if it's uncomfortable, even if we disagree with them, it continues to set the stage for that emotional safety in your relationship. It lets the other person know that you're someone they can come to with a concern when it's hard. Mm-hmm. So after an argument, right, if trust is broken, your priorities should be listening, collaborating, building intimacy, mm-hmm. and restoring that sense of safety. Sure. And if you can, if you can stick to those things, that's in general going to lead you down a pretty good track. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what about, I'm, I'm imagining that people who could be listening to this and thinking like, okay, this, this sounds great, but like, this also sounds like it takes a lot of time and work. And like, we've got five kids and like, we're all over the place. <laughs> like we have a newborn, like, I don't really have time to listen, collaborate and establish, reestablish intimacy right now, you know, with him as we're having this conflict, like what advice do you have for them? Or what would you say to couples who are like, we don't have time for this right now. Like life is hectic. You, you have more time than you think you might not have time in the middle of driving kids to practice or cooking dinner or something like that, but you can schedule a time, you know, after kids are in bed, or even if you have to hire a babysitter to go have a conversation, Mm -hmm. um, these, sometimes we need to prioritize these things, especially after a big argument or a big event, something blows up again, we really want to think about how are we going to repair after this so we can reestablish that sense of trust between us. So if that means you're putting a date on the calendar a week out, like, oh, oh my gosh, we just had this horrible argument. Okay. Next week, Tuesday night, we're getting a babysitter and we're going to talk about it. That's okay. We don't have to solve it in the moment. Sometimes that's worse if tensions are high and you're more likely to, you know, explode or shut down or something like that. And so um, I think again, showing that you're willing to prioritize the relationship is just one step in rebuilding that trust. Um, But certainly one, I think to your point, one conversation isn't going to cure everything. So yes, I mean, we have to be willing to do this consistently again over time and you'll 
see a lot more changes and impact. Sure. Um, but it doesn't mean again, that every day you have to have an hour long discussion where we're listening yeah. and doing those things. Doing all the things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Um, I'm curious in terms of like the big, the big issues, right? Like infidelity, let's say, or I don't know, he went out and bought a boat and you <laughs> like, you don't have the money for it or whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be. Um, what about those things, right? These aren't just the little, like I was sweeping and you didn't pay attention to me type of thing, but like, this is something bigger. How do we kind of even begin to heal and repair from something that seems overwhelming? Yeah, I think there's a few ground rules when it's a big situation like that, like infidelity or, you know, even a large financial purpose money issues without um, being aware can really be similar type of betrayal um, in the sense of like a large part of me not knowing part of your life. Right. And so I think there would be need to be some ground rules of agreement about what the person, the person who was betrayed, what they need to feel safe to kind of continue and work on healing this relationship. So an infidelity that sometimes looks like having people's passwords for a temporary period of time, or, um, I don't know, check-ins about when you're out or something like that, um, for financial agreements about maybe limiting ourselves to cash only or one credit card, or I don't know. Um, For everybody, this is a different, and obviously this is a conversation you can have in therapy and things like that. But setting some ground rules, again, to establish a sense of safety and that a willingness to reestablish trust. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to get into those challenging conversations about discussing those feelings that you experienced during the breach of trust. Mm-hmm. Can we discuss those feelings without blame and criticism? Mm. That's a tricky one, mm-hmm. right? If you're the one who's betrayed, it's really easy to fly off the handle. And oftentimes you kind of feel a little justified, right? <laughs> In right exactly. But can we, can we calmly like express those feelings? And then you, if you're the person who did the betrayal, can you listen and receive those feelings without judgment, without that desire to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so any feelings triggered by the um, incident, but then what's really important after that is um, for both people to assess the situation and think about their own individual responsibility. Mm. What did you do to contribute to the situation mm-hmm. and holding yourself accountable? Now, infidelity, that's a more sensitive, complicated, nuanced <laughs> situation, right? right? I'm not saying it's your fault that somebody went out and cheated on you, (laughs) but, um, you know, again, when, when people can own their responsibility and apologize, Mm. um, and accepting those apologies Mm -hmm. really lays a good groundwork to developing a plan, helping you as a couple develop that plan for what are we going to do in the future to make sure this trust doesn't get broken again. Mm. So you're coming at it from all angles Mm -hmm. of understanding. Yeah. And I think even like you were saying, even with the smaller things, like this is a process. It's not a like one conversation done, everything is solved, whatever, like all of these things we have to work on continuously, you know, throughout our relationship. And especially with the bigger things we need to be, you know, touching base constantly kind of going back and forth, figuring out what are we doing? How are we moving forward this way? Right. Exactly. Cause every couple is a little bit different. Like I've had couples who have experienced infidelity that I've worked with. And there are some who, you know, the person who's betrayed is very hypervigilant, almost acting like they have PTSD symptoms. It is a very traumatic experience mm-hmm. to go through something like that. And so 
there can be a feeling of intenseness. Like they want to know everything. Like I'm monitoring your software, like you're locked down, right? Like Uh it's, and that can be really overwhelming for the other person who feels like they've already apologized a hundred times. Like what more can I possibly do? Why aren't we moving on? And so it's really about, can we, again, be aware of where each other's at and be willing to hold space for that and meet each other where we're at? Because sometimes that healing process is different for everyone. But then Mm -hmm. I've had other couples where the other person's like, all I wanted was you to say sorry and we're, Mm -hmm. and I'm good. So (laughs) you just never know. Yeah. Each couple is so unique and in their journey Mm -hmm. and in their lives. So, um, what about for the couples who, you know, are listening to this and they're like, I, we, we have like a pretty good set of trust. Like we trust each other. We're like in a good space. Do you think this is something that we continuously work on throughout our marriage? Or is this something that like, I don't know, you hit like a baseline or like a good level and you're like, we're good. Like, this is like, that. we're just going to keep like jiving at this, at this point. Um, I think it's always something you can work on and improve Um, because again, as life happens, there are more opportunities to strengthen and increase and grow in trust. And so you're just fortifying that wall and making it stronger Mm -hmm. and more resilient every time you're able to repair well, every time that you show up when somebody needs you, every time that you continue to be faithful, you Mm -hmm. know, all of those things help contribute to that. And part of that is your intentional actions and responses in those moments help. So it's, it's a very conscious thing. It doesn't happen by accident. Mm -hmm. I think people feel like it does because I went to work, I made dinner and then I went to bed, you know, like I didn't do anything today, Uh but it, I think there's more intentionality behind it than we realize. Sure. That makes perfect sense. Um, okay. Any last tips or tricks that you want to share or, or tidbits, um, before we kind of sign off today? Um, I would add, especially for those couples who feel like things are going well, but even for couples who might be going through a hard season, mm-hmm. you know, talk about your days together. Happy marriages are ones in which the conversations extend beyond just our daily tasks and our to-do lists. So sharing your joys and your celebrations. If you get a compliment from someone at work or your spouse gets a compliment, like celebrate that with them. If you're proud of your kid being nice to someone at school, if you, you know, one of you worked hard on your yard and you won yard of the month, like talk, share how happy you are about that. Right. And how proud, and it's okay to commiserate in that joy with each other. It doesn't always have to be a serious conversation. Um, so sh- don't forget to share in those things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, pay attention to any mistrustful thoughts that creep in. Mm-hmm. So if you're worried about, you know, somebody's intentions, like, mm-hmm. oh, they all, they're always do this, or they're going to leave the cup out, or they're going to, like, you know, assume that your beloved has good intentions, mm-hmm. even if you feel like you know them well enough and you know what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when we assume the best, that really helps take mm-hmm. those walls down and helps conversations go a lot more um, smoothly. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, again, practicing repairing. So I'm I'm literally talking about sitting down and saying, hey, let's pretend like we just had an argument. And for 20 minutes, we're going to practice how we would discuss it and how I share my feelings and you listen to me and we come up with a solution so that when we're in the heat of the moment, it comes a little bit more easily. We know what we're going to do. I really like that idea of kind of practicing it because it's modeling. It's getting you guys used to the back and forth and all of that, but in a not 
not stressful situation, right? In a very calm, like kind of fun and like you were saying, playful way, but to kind of build that muscle to be able to allow you to have those really difficult ones later. Absolutely. You can share about what you need when you feel stressed and when you know that way the other person kind of is prepared. And then always couples counseling never hurts. So (laughs) there you go. I love it. Um, Okay. So people want to get a hold of you or find you, where can they do that or how can they connect? I'm on Instagram at Boyd Counseling Services and on Facebook at Regina Boyd LMHC, or you can go to my website, reginaboyd.com. Awesome. Wonderful. Regina, I appreciate this conversation. This was excellent today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. If you enjoyed it, there are a few quick things you could do to support us. Share this episode with a friend who needs to hear it, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.